0: Hello, I'm Peter Ryers, and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft, career and what matters to them. Ditch Davey is a charming bloke and a terrific actor. Following study at the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, he cut his teeth on a series of commercial and series work with All Saints Above the Law, Water Rats and the telemovie Do or Die. It wasn't long before he arrived permanently on our screens in the guise of Constable Evan Jones in the police drama Blue Healers. This stint garnered him the Logie Award for most popular new male talent. A plethora of TV and film roles have followed, including a role as Dr Ian Bickman in the US-produced series Black Box, a medical drama which screened on the ABC network. Davey starred alongside Terry Kinney and Vanessa Redgrave. Ditch Davey can presently be seen in Home and Away as Summer Bay's new medic, Dr Christian Green. It had been a few years since I last caught up with Ditch. Nothing had changed. He possessed the same charming, funny and contagious spirit that has obviously endeared him in a triumphant career on screens and stage. Circumstantial too, isn't it? You're just opportunity and all that. Well, it kind
1: of is. I mean, I've almost been too busy to do theatre, you know. Which but, is a which is a, a good problem to have, I suppose. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 well that's that's an excuse that you can use. Yeah that's <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Oh Ditch, it's really good to see you. It's lovely to see you too, mate. It yeah. has been um, God, a couple of decades I would imagine. Maybe a maybe a glimpse of you uh, mm. within that um, within that time in person, but lots of glimpses on the uh, the screen. Yeah, lots of <laughs> Tra- training uh, at Whopper, which is where we met um, originally. Uh, a lot of your training there was theatre based, I yeah. guess. Did you do much sort of preparation for screen work a- at Whopper? Yeah, yeah. We had a um, a
1: screen component, which at the time was we. I mean, and that was only in the third year, um, but it was, and we put, we put some value in it. But looking back, it was very rudimentary, and and uh, and I think you know the the whole, really, rather than concentrating on screen acting, I think you know the the fact that it was we concentrated on the art of acting, and then you can apply it to your. Particular medium, you know. I um, mean, yeah. as long as you've got a, a structure, as long as you've got the tools, you can then work out how to, you know, how how it best suits you. And um, but yeah, so the the screen component was very <laughs> was pretty rudimentary. Well,
0: there's so much to cover in actor training, isn't there? I mean, you really could design a six year course yeah everything that needs to be to be covered. Well, I mean, what, how long ago was that?
1: That was '96, and you know, so it's uh, 20, what is it, 20, 23 years or something, 23 years, and I'm still learning. Yeah. And well, that's where a lot is uh, great. So, so you go, what What else could you? I mean,
0: it's so vast, it's you know, studying humanity, <laughs> yeah. And and a lot of your um, learning really takes place, I guess, once you leave the institution, yeah. You're, you're learning on the job, you're yeah. serving an apprenticeship in studios, and and... Yeah. Well, that's exactly how I saw it. Yeah. As an apprenticeship. And reading Michael Caine's autobiography. Well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean that, but it is. That's a great read about how, yeah. how to um, act for the screen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think it's every everyone's different, and you know it's like you get a little piece of gold here and there from from a book or from working with someone or from hearing stories, whatever you just get a little nugget of gold or you know a little tool that you can go, "Oh, that resonates with me yeah. and uh and so they're they're endless it's just a matter of digging and finding and being open to to those. Uh, to those bits
0: of wisdom that are being passed out. Being a bit of a detective, a bit of a, a minor, yeah, a sponge. Yeah, totally, total yeah. detective. Did you enjoy your time in Perth at Whopper? I loved it. Yeah, so did I.
1: I loved it. And I almost didn't want to leave. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> it was... It, I don't know how you felt, but when I, when I went there, I came from Sydney... I came, you know, Sydney was always, uh, you know, a lot busier and everything, and I found it very hard at the start that you know Perth has its own,
0: well, the time zone you're separated from the rest of the country. And Perth has by a mile. <laughs> and Perth also had its own TV show devoted to the West Coast Eagles. I didn't know that. Didn't you see that? No. There was <clears throat> Yeah, they were so. I mean, I love Perth too, but but yeah. so parochial it was just. And a, I love that about them.
1: Yeah, you know, I love that you you are from here or over east. It doesn't matter where, in any of the other states, it doesn't matter. You're from here, or you're from that lot. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love that about it. But I did the, the sleepy nature of it, and because I, you know, coming from Sydney and I was young, I was like ready to go. And Perth is so it was quiet. Everything stopped at a certain time. You couldn't get milk. You couldn't get yeah. <clears throat> you know. It just fresh went to fresh provisions. I think. Oh, 24... fresh prom, yeah. <laughs> hours. fresh prob. Yeah, twenty four hours. If you were lucky back enough back. to have a car. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, and I do remember standing on the balcony of my first place over there and going, "Just wake up!" And I was so frustrated by it, and then. What happened for me, so I got very sick, I got glandular fever. When you were over there? Yeah, my well, first... years
0: I sort of think I remember that. Yeah,
1: anyway. yeah, my first, um, I had it in the first term, so just leading up to Easter. And um, God, you hadn't been there long. No, I hadn't no. been there, uh, yeah. So it, was, so it really, like it flattened me. I was hospitalised twice with it. I was, um, yeah. So anyway, it, what that uh, taught me was how to slow down and from then i really got i really enjoyed the pace of perth and yeah by the end of it if there was a if there was an industry there i wouldn't
0: have left yeah yeah loved it and best beaches in australia i think mm. yeah yeah. I mean, in May, I, I remember we'd finished classes and in May, the weather was still so fine that you'd go to the beach. Yeah, yeah, afterwards yeah. For a swim. it was wonderful. You
1: know, you'd get you'd, you'd sort of hatch a plan with, uh, you know, some people at, at school and you'd just all jump into a car. It didn't matter whose car you'd, you know, go down there and there'd be four or five carloads of people and just swimming and watching the sun go down over the ocean. What a great
0: great thing you know yeah and those students uh in the year are well in the course uh, sometimes if you uh, explore further you make mates in other courses also but there's a yeah. terrific communal f- fear uh, feel yeah <laughs> sometimes fear sometimes yeah. there fear. was a lot of fear <laughs> <laughs> That communal feel that um that you establish with with other like-minded bodies in that three years when you're really in that pressure cooker environment
1: yeah you? yeah absolutely and it was yeah it was not only it was it was the different year levels but also the different courses so you'd have you felt very you felt like you were in a pressure cooker in your particular class or year group and uh, i don't know how many was in your 18 yeah. right yeah well, we start we actually started with 17 because the our 18th didn't turn up on the first day got lost Got lost. No, we saw, he came and went, no, nah, this is not for me. So we actually started with 17. So, you know, it's a pretty intimate group. And and so there's only a certain amount of people that understand what you're going through.
0: Hmm.
1: And I think that, you know, finding, finding other people outside your year group that you don't know as well, but that understand you, Because no one really does. You're on a campus with all the other, you know, business and lawyers, whatever. You've got all of that. But they don't get the art students, you know, and us in that little bubble. I mean, your own family don't get it.
0: So you create a family there, and it's really important. Yeah. Um, Here we are 20 years later, a couple of decades later, and it's interesting (laughs) to look back at the people in our year who continued acting or the pursuit of performance, mm. you know, two years later, five years later, yeah. 10 years later, and who's still doing it 20 years later? Because it's a very challenging lifestyle. It's a, it's a tough industry, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, th- I say to a lot of people that, you know, that talk to me about it and, you know, it's the, I think the, um, the business side of this industry is completely. Like, it's just buried. It's not something that we all talk about. It's uh, it's always about the art. It's always about the talent. It's always about uh, the passion. You hear all of those sort of, you know, buzzwords of, you know, I'm so passionate about it. And you're like, great, that's good. But it's only going to get you so far. And talent will only get you so far as well because it's it's being able to manage yourself it's a very different lifestyle being able to manage your money which is a dirty word for any artist but if you can't manage it well you can't survive and it's not going to get you to the next job so if you're not um if you're not managing your time well your money well your home life you know i mean because it's feast or famine we all know that you know and it took me a long time to work out, okay, if I'm, if I've got to find a a middle ground so that I'm not eating baked beans every night for the rest of my life, but I'm not, you know, I'm not having, you know, a three course meal. Like just because, just because I've done a bit of work doesn't mean I should be, you know, I don't want to ride that wave. I want to even those, peaks and troughs out by my expectations by my um, by how I spend my money by how I spend my time I want everything to be sort of normal like Mm. my own normal Mm. but that's the way I do it you know and I think that that's um, that that's important for me because it's it's given me longevity it's given me
0: a normality within a very Turbulent world, and that's the thing we aim for, isn't it? That that longevity—you want to be around for as long as you can be, <clears throat> yeah. Not just for the current job, because you know. Well, that's it. You, they, what do they, what do they say? You're only as good as your last job. Exactly, exactly. And also, who could ever predict a pandemic around the corner? You know. There you go. Which halts everything. That's right.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So it's. Um, I mean, not. But
1: even before that, and in this country. It's very hard to sustain a life as an artist. Um, you need a great deal of support, but you need the the mental uh, strength, and you need to be able to understand your your life. You know, it's a uh, and how it and how it can work for you. Because if you're, it's all about for me even at the worst times it's all about keeping one hand on the branch this is you know you might see better better actors and actresses and better people whatever falling off the tree you know as time goes by but it's the the one thing that i that i have always been able to sort of draw on is just the
0: tenacity to be able to hold on and go, okay, how do I do this? How do you climb to that next branch?
1: Well, look, you can't get to the next branch if you've let go of the first one. So that's the that's the point. Like it's very hard, but it'll get it'll get better. Once you hold on and get to the next Then, you know, then that next point where the, you know, a job opportunity comes in, you're like, great, I'm still here and I can climb up, you know, but you can't climb if you're not on it. Does it matter if it's autumn?
0: (laughs) 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 And there's leaves on the tree? (laughs) It's great to see that you've still got that laugh. That's, <laughs> that's the thing I remember about you, that big, hearty, generous oh laugh. Oh, my so, God, yeah, 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 that bloody thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great asset, great asset. Now, Ditch, Ditch, I've always wondered, <clears throat> Ditch, actually, I know this, but this, yeah. is a, this is, I'll fabricate, I don't know. Ditch, because you weren't born Ditch, were you? No, oh. no, I was born Christian. Oh. So how did Ditch come about? My
1: sister, who was two at the time, my sister Kirsten uh she was tongue tied and so she had uh that little bit of skin under your tongue was joined to the tip of her tongue. Yeah. So she couldn't um uh, she couldn't poke her tongue out. So it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't anything major but she had a speech impediment for a little while. And you know, at age two, you know. so uh, she couldn't pronounce Christian, she used to say ditchin. And so that was what I was called the day I was born. You know, as soon as I was named Christian, I was named Ditchin and, uh, and that stuck. It would, mum and dad thought that it would sort of go by the time I went to school, they introduced me as Christian on my first day. And, and, uh, I went no, 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 no. It's ditch. And so from then on, it just was ditch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And changed it legally when I was 18. And ditch you are. And ditch I am, ditch you are? As well as, might I say, along the way you've been a policeman, <laughs> a gladiator, yeah. and you're a neurosurgeon, a sailor, an emperor
1: <laughs> and a dog. I am I'm, I'm glad that Wilfred got a mention in there. What
0: what other <laughs> what other occupation serves up <clears> such <throat> delicious variety? What what do you like about being an actor?
1: Oh, so much. I love the exploration of human, the human life. I I love what makes people tick. I love, love being able to see through someone else's eyes and walk in someone else's shoes. I remember saying when I was, uh, even I was at high school, and I didn't even know that this was anything that I was uh, going to do. I thought I was going to be a plumber. And um, I remember saying that I think that I could create a better character than a, and a more interesting character than I am as a person. And that was something that was both r- like a revelation, but also a pretty depressing kind of thought for me but nonetheless, nonetheless I had it <clears throat> and it was you know that I think that represents my thirst for wanting more because I didn't I thought I was boring I thought I was so boring and I thought my imagination was my biggest asset it always got me in trouble at school was always on my report cards fucking you know he's off with the fairies but it was my imagination. I could put myself in anywhere. And It was wonderful. And so, what I love about, you know, reading a script and reading a character is, sort of, pulling a, pulling it apart, and saying, "Yeah, well, okay, these are the words, but where where does this guy come from? Where is his Where is his story? Where is he? Where is his family? Where is the you know, pulling all the, everything apart so you get the undercurrent to lead you to the place where he says, hey, whatever the line of dialogue is. But that's where, you know, is, is he an older brother? Is he an only child? Is he adopted? Is he, where did he go to school? All of those things, which is really interesting to me because, Mm. you know, that's the history
0: without history, you've got nothing. Well, as people, we, we uh, have to perform many roles day to day, don't we? Whether sure. we're a father, a brother, a teacher, a, right. a mate. Yeah. Um, and they all require different characteristics. So yeah. um, as an actor, you're being a, a sculptor, you're being a psychologist, you're, you're um, <laughs> a you're doing gambit of You're doing all things. of those yeah. things.
1: And when you aren't, and, you know, so to, instead of putting a... <laughs> a veil, I suppose, you know, I mean, you can, I think the way, like what I'm doing at the moment, you know, playing a neurosurgeon, great, chuck a stethoscope on and a white coat. Suddenly you're a doctor or you look like a doctor, but what happens when you fight, you you work out, okay, that's just a part of him. That's not everything, Hmm. you know, He's a brother. He's a son. What was the relationship like with his parents? What was the um, the the reason for him to choose this vocation? What else was he good at? What else was he not good at? You know, so it's all of those things that yeah. make up what happens behind the eyes and that's interesting to me. It's a lot of fucking work. But it's interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What sort of boy was young Christian, Young Ditch? Young me was incredibly shy.
1: Um Yeah. That's I I was I I found my voice and my place in the world uh, on the sporting field like I was I remember at school if a if a teacher asked me a question I burst into tears it was just the pressure of having yeah, to yeah, come yeah. up with a response yeah I, I didn't I didn't I didn't have the trust to be able to for it to be okay to be wrong so I didn't Say anything, and uh, it was it was debilitating. It was very hard for me, Um, only to yeah to be like. Of course, you know the smiles always been there, the laughs always been there. But in those situations, man, it was really you know yeah, I burst into tears. It was horrible. But on the sporting field, that's when I knew. Where I was, I, I understood it, and my voice got bigger, uh, I got more robust i could I could look after myself and be be a team player but also
0: a leader in my own way yeah. in that. And, and getting that kudos also from from your teammates from kids at school yeah, yeah yeah teachers and
1: yeah so but that was me that was me at a young age and when um, when it came around to you know finding the theatre, it was it was Kirsten, my sister, um, uh, sort of pointing me in that direction. You know, she was involved in the in the local youth theatre, and she came to me and she said, "I think you'd really like it." And I just thought that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard.
0: And she said, "I think you really would." And I said, like, "I kind of." Because she was aware of your imagination, and
1: I don't even know. Maybe, or um, well, they just needed an extra boy. Well, but there was so, it was t- it was just fun. Yeah, it was you know whatever it was. But she thought that I'd enjoy it, and she managed to talk me into it with by getting a friend to come and audition with me, and then I never left. It was, and that then gave me a different side of my my life. My quilt work I suppose you know I had I did have my my sports that I just loved but then I had something else that wasn't related to that at all but I loved it so much and at that stage I wasn't good at it but I just loved being around it yeah yeah and that also gave
0: me a
1: chance to come out of my shell a little bit
0: yeah you grew up in the northern beaches was it a, a childhood of sun sand and surf Kind of. Yeah? Yeah. Were you a surfer? I was. I was a... I
1: started off as a freshy nipper, freshwater beach, uh, from... God, I probably would have been six or seven or something like that. It was... Yeah, it was young. And we were... We loved it. Um, And then from there, progressed to, yeah, surfing. And, you know, I used to go down... um, you know, catch the catch the bus i think it was the 136 i think it was anyway we go down you know we sometimes skip school and take our boards and go surfing and I, and i really liked it i wasn't very good at it but i did enjoy you know being out there with mates and sometimes just lying on my board or just floating and again just being in a different place. I was just yeah. imagining whatever. I, my mind would wander. And that was great. And um, But then that I stopped surfing. I got into a pretty nasty um, street fight when I was 16. And uh, I was celebrating a friend's birthday down at Freshwater Beach. And um, a group of guys uh, caught me on the street. And one of them had a baseball bat no yeah and um
0: and he and i got beaten up that night quite badly they were just looking for trouble obviously you 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 were just there with your mates yeah
1: yeah yeah. we were celebrating a 16th birthday from a very dear friend of mine um and she's a she's actually a director and still in the she's living in l.a at the moment sarah and very dear friend and um uh yeah so we were celebrating her birthday and we all walked down to the beach but yeah and then came back and, you know, a bunch of guys got me and... Were they drug fueled or...? No, they were drunk. They were drunk. Did, yeah. did they know who you were? I knew the guy with the bat. Right. Yeah, I knew him. I didn't know anyone else. So he had a grievance against you or was
0: it sport that night?
1: Yeah, I think it was sport. Right. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a kind of a territorial thing. You know, you guys aren't from the beaches and... Blah, 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 blah. So it was a territorial thing. And anyway... I uh, ended up, you know, broken arm, broken fingers, cracked vertebra, beaten about the head. I was quite... I mean, looking back, I was very lucky to survive it because of, you know, when you hear about all the punch, the king hit, yeah, kind yeah. of one-punch attack mm. kind of thing. You know, and I was beaten about the head with a bat. So, um, you know, I was quite lucky to survive it. But after that, it was that point there that I... I gave my surfboard away and I never surfed again. And I went and I knew that, that my safety was the people in the theater. And so I gravitated more towards them because I knew that that wouldn't happen to me there. So it, so although it was a, I mean, it's still a pretty, uh, traumatic, Experience in my life, and I, and I do have those memories of it, and the, and I fear for my kids and all of that stuff because of it. But it gave me so much as well, because without it, I may not have invested so heavily in, in the theatre and in the theatre yeah. community. So there are those
0: sliding doors, aren't there? Right, those, those turning points. Right. That uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So it's um. So, yeah, that was part of my life. But until until I was at that moment, the beach never really um, never really came back into my life, really.
0: Were you folks happy about a career in the arts? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's parents are. are they? What did they want you to do?
1: They thought plumbing. Right. And I thought Get plumbing. a trade. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. And with a name like Ditch, they thought plumbing would... Uh, look would, good on the van? Look good on the van, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, did uh, I even did plumbing for my work experience. Wow. Yeah, in high school. Yeah. Digging holes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they weren't, they weren't very happy with it. But, you know, I mean, they came around
0: and they're very supportive of it now so how did you hear about whopper did you do the the audition circuit that year did you try it for nida and vca well i
1: did and this is so i went straight from school into running um into working bar work and all of that stuff Uh, uh and then so i worked my way up behind the bar i got uh, I was uh, running a bar. I started training people. I became a night cellarman uh, down at one of the beaches down at in the um, in the northern beaches, one of the pubs down in the northern beaches, and then got headhunted to become a full cellarman at another pub. So while I was doing that, I was cleaning all the beer lines one morning, and every every week I did it. And every week while, while all the chemicals were cleaning the beer lines I'd make a coffee I'd sit down in the pub empty pub and I'd watch Good Morning Australia for half an hour or whatever just to let you know and I was watching this one day and there was uh, there was two people being interviewed one was uh, Dr. Jeff Gibbs and Alongside him was a young man by the name of Hugh Jackman. And I was watching that interview and I thought that's the kind of guy I want to be. That's the actor that I want to be. I had friends that were at um, NIDA and VCA and they w- they didn't really know that I had a, a real interest in it. And I kept that pretty secret. didn't really want to put it out there. And when I saw him interviewed, I went, whatever they're doing there, I'd never heard of it before. I said, I want to go there. And I told my, my boss and then pretty soon after that, I quit and just, just invested all my time and energy into learning what I could to get me ready for the audition circuit. And Whopper was my number one. Well, have
0: you crossed paths
1: with uh, Huey since? No, I only met him once at right. uh at a ball that he hosts. Were you able to share that no. story? No. No. But I think that it's it's lovely
0: when you know, you don't you don't really know how you affect people and No, exactly. Yeah. And look you, you I'm sure you've had the same effect on somebody else too who's well, tuned into blue healers or well, you, or whatever. Yeah, I mean you don't know.
1: Um Hopefully, in some way i I have affected someone in a in a positive way. you don't know, you don't go into it, hoping for that you're just trying to do the best that you can but um yeah it was that was the moment with uh, Hugh Jackman
0: at Whopper um, we both uh, shared a, a voice teacher who was visiting the school for a period Caroline no yes yes and she had a, a quite a profound effect on you i she really did yeah tell me about that well she
1: took me aside one afternoon and and uh and said so uh, we, what was happening uh the rest of the class were given we were all given monologues to learn and and uh you know, over, over a period of time, you know, you'd get these, you know, Shakespeare or Moliere or, you know, whatever it was, you know, you get a Chekhov piece. Or, so all, they, would give, they were handed them out and, um, and she said to me, I, can I see you after class? And I said, sure. And she said, she said, um, so you can't read. And I said, yeah, I can. She said, "No, you can't." I said, "I can." And she, but this went back and forth. And she said, "Ditch, just listen to me. You can't." And it was true. I mean, I found it very difficult when, you know, reading, reading a novel or something like that. I thought that that's exactly what everyone was doing. I thought that that this was a whole conspiracy about when people said that they love to read, I thought they're all fucking lying because there's nothing enjoyable about it at all. The words move around the page like ants. I'm like, hey, how do you catch these words? This is not enjoyable at all. And I, so I thought, I really thought that the world had it against me. I thought it was a big (laughs) big fucking conspiracy and I was like, nah. And so she took me aside and she said, this is all I want you to do. I want you to read along with a BBC Disney book and tape set. And I was like, this is like fucking kindergarten. Yeah,
0: humiliating.
1: It was. It was a huge... I went to drama school to really like further my studies and go, "I'm, I'm with all of these brilliant, smart people. And I was targeted as being not in the same league as them. But it was, yeah, it was humiliating, but like anything to learn, you have to put your ego aside and I trusted her and she, you know, and so we went, uh, we did that and, um, and I learned to read alongside Derek Jacobi, I think it was, (laughs) on tape (laughs) and it really gave me, because I would panic when I would read. So... but what it did was gave me a trust and sort of slowed my breathing down. And so I would read over and over with, with someone in my ears. And, uh, and that gave me a great foundation to be able to start again, start working on. So she had a huge effect on me. And I, it's one. There's something I will never forget, and I'll thank her. For, yeah.
0: Don't you think there's an element of drama school which is is like therapy? I mean, it's about getting us to understand who we are. Yeah. Before we can play anyone else.
1: Absolutely. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's everything that you, and particularly at that stage of your life, which is
0: late teens early 20s
1: yeah 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 early 20s to mid to late I suppose you know but it's the the early 20s where you have fought so hard to find a version of yourself to say I am not just someone else's son I am me now and so I want to stretch my wings I want to Find out what I think about stuff. And so you've got, you know, all these young people that have, that are very opinionated about certain things that probably, you know, are wildly different to where they stand now. But you're in that moment of going, I am trying to define myself. And then you get put in a situation where people are trying to break that down. And saying, okay, I know you're fighting for this version of you, but let's lose that now. And so you go back to not knowing anything about yourself. I mean, I I remember being in a class, being asked to stand still and I fell over. I was like, I'm an athlete. I play sports. I'm like, I can do, I've got great balance and everything. (laughs) I stood still for a, a minute or two and fell over. Because I just, I wasn't used to, was used to a version of me,
0: hmm.
1: you know. So, yeah, it was very, <laughs> it is. It's a very um, critical time. And to be able to break characters, uh, break people down so that they are in a more neutral
0: area so that they can access other characters. Yeah. yeah. Truthfully. The, the neutrality is so, so important. Yeah. So upon graduation, what's, what's the first gig you land out of what? I did a chewing gum commercial. Oh, right.
1: Okay. Yep. I was the guy that... Juicy Fruit? Or- it, was, it was Eclipse. Eclipse. Yep. Yep, it was. And uh, it was a very funny, very funny experience, you know. And I had to do the old two tabs in the mouth. Mmm, that's great. And Several
0: times doubt.
1: Five packets of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was... my my mouth was numb by the time I (laughs) drove home from from that shoot. It was, yeah, yeah, it was, that was a funny gig.
0: Funny, yeah. Does Evan Jones, Constable Evan Jones, come along much uh, after that? We're talking about Blue Healers, of course. Yeah,
1: from Healers. Uh, It was a little bit, I mean, I did, I did a couple of ads, you know, and that was great. You know, you sort of, uh, a new grad and you, you know, Bit here, and I was lucky that every job that I did was in some way um, taking me forward. So, be it you know the uh, be it the size of the job, the size of the role, the size of the paycheck, who I was working with. You know, I did um, I I did a, a campaign for Chatswood Chase Shopping Centre. And it was being shot by a great DP by the name of Peter James, you know, who, uh, amongst other things, shot Driving Miss Daisy. And so working with people like him on an ad campaign, you're like, that's taking me forward. I'm learning more. And so then from there, did a regional tour of a, of a play. And then, yeah, pretty soon after that, I was, uh, I was asked, I was offered the role of, Jonesy.
0: Offered? Did you? Did you well, no, I, no, 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 you, no, no, I did. You did the I mean,
1: there's, yes. there was, there's time, you know, there was, there was about three months of auditions right. and,
0: but yes, eventually I get that. You also are awarded a Logie Award for most popular new talent. I did, yeah. A lot of Logies in that, uh, that cast of Blue Heelers. Oh, everyone had one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fantastic. It obviously hit a nerve with the... Uh, Australian populace that were tuning in.
1: It was really, really, it was a wonderful, um, show to be a part of. And, you know, we were talking before about, you know, the, your education and development and everything. And and that show was my apprenticeship. When I, when I got asked to do that show, in fact, I actually told them that I was wrong for it. I was in, in, in my callback. Um, down in Melbourne, I was down to the final th- four, I think. And we were having a, a, a meeting afterwards with the producers and they asked me what I what I thought what I could bring to the... And, and I said, I think you've got the wrong guy.
0: I think there's someone else better. That's a very brave thing to say. But it was... Yeah. Long-term employment like
1: that. I know, I know. Yeah. But that was, I guess, where... I, that was honestly what I thought and I was so I was very very lucky that they disagreed with me
0: <laughs> so what, what, what do you learn um, on set when you're there because you know we talked earlier that there's not a lot of um, uh, acting for screen training that you get at drama school mm. that we got um, you know how do you know where to start? How to, you know, take your mark? I mean, are people teaching you that? I remember I was on a, a TV shoot for the first time. Nobody told me anything. Yeah, I know. And, and then you're getting told off for not... Right, right. ...starting on time or... That's right. Or even mark. how to read a call
1: sheet. Yeah. You don't, you know, there's a lot of things within that environment. If you don't know, you don't know. And it's very... It, 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 it is intimidating. It's hard to... Um, the thing that I've always had which again got me in trouble at school but I persisted is asking questions. If I don't understand something I will always ask and I don't care how, how dumb I look and I don't care what people think of me but I, because I would much rather ask and get a definitive answer and learn in that point rather than let a team down, you know? And so it's my job to do the work. And if I don't know how to read a call sheet, then that was what I did. I said, I need someone to teach me like, if, is this what we're getting every day? How do I look at this? And then once, once you know, you know, Mm. you know, um, and so, and hitting marks, and where your cameras are. I mean, all of those things that you know that come with time and experience. But, and you can't learn everything on day one, no. because there's so much technique involved in you know, uh, in making, you know, in working on screen, as there is in the theatre. You know, and um, so you can't learn everything on day one, but. If you continue to learn, you get better, and that's and people notice it, and you get better from one day to the next.
0: It's you know it's just about building. Have you got much creative license in the way that you can develop the character, or is a lot of that happening in the writer's room, and then you need to follow that? Well, later on in my
1: career, I've had more, um, mainly because I. Well, because I've got runs on the board, you know, years of experience, and then you suddenly start to be the same age as your writers and directors, and then sometimes you might get a bit older. (laughs) And, you know, of course, we all still think of ourselves as being, you know, 16. You know, you go, well, that's... But on everyone else sees uh, something different and you've got 20 odd years experience. So with, with experience comes trust and you understand how to tell a story a little bit more and you know when to, when you want to question something or when, um, or when you know when just to leave it alone, because it's not, this is not about the, this is not telling the story any better than it already was. And this is, you're obviously gonna, you're gonna know how it's gonna fit together in the edit and the focus on it, because we, as as actors and artists, we go, well, it's all about me. You know, this this scene is all about me. And I are like, yeah, okay, you're just wiping camera. So, <laughs> so you could put in, you know, 12 hours of work about, you know, about your wardrobe and your shoes and where he's come from and everything. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not that important, you know. So you you have to, so there's a little bit of license, but you have to know when to pull the trigger on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wilfred. Yeah. (laughs) Wilfred. (laughs) I just need to say more. Uh, I was checking out some of the exits on, on YouTube and uh, it, it's surprising. It's um, Yes, that was... <laughs> if you haven't seen Wilfred, uh, listeners, I encourage you to have a look because um, it's um, it's a lot of fun, but it's it's really off-centre, isn't it? Oh, it's it's um, so mental. How do you create a role, the role of a dog? Well, the,
1: yeah, I know. Well, I i had a beautiful kelpie at the time and uh, she was she was my you know just my two ic she was my wing man she was everywhere with me and so i i did i just watched her and i loved watching her think and the way she she and i did interact she the way she understood the different toys that she had and It was something that I spent far too, far too much time sort of watching her and getting those, those mannerisms. She's not just a dog. She was really active in her thoughts. She was a tart. She was a bitch sometimes. And she was, so, so it wasn't just a dog. She had a massive personality. And I... I took that into the role of, of, of Wilfred and, and, you know, the, in my episode we did, um, uh, we shot a dog food commercial. So, so what I wanted to do was develop a, a dog actor, like a, you know, an actor who just happened to be a dog. So he, you know, had a lot of bravado and he had, a, you know, some real, um, some status on set, you know? And so that's where I, I went down that path. And, and that we have a, you're probably alluding, there's a, there's a, the a caravan particular a caravan scene <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where I was, yeah, we, we were using the facilities, not for the reason that they were there. Well, doggy style. Doggy style. Yes, yes. And had a, had, had a dialogue scene during it. So it was very funny. it was very, it's very off centre and uh, something that I really, really love
0: doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, black box. You're playing a neurosurgeon. It's quite quite a distance from playing the dog. Yeah. Um, and are you? Is it a neurosurgeon you're playing at home in a way at the moment? It's true. Yeah. So you have played a couple of neurosurgeons. I have. That's uh, that's bizarre. Most people play a couple of coppers or. Well, that's it. I've you're, done you're,
1: coppers. I've done you've the, got the face, army. The face of a
0: neurosurgeon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was with the, the ABC uh, in America. In America, Of yeah. course. What took you to the States? You thought, uh, you know, I've established a career here. I want to sort of stretch myself. We'll see how far I can go. Was yeah, absolutely. American? I mean, I so I
1: was uh, lucky enough to be cast in Spartacus. And Spartacus was a Starz production over in the US. And uh, so... That filmed in New Zealand? We filmed it in Auckland, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so being on two series of, uh, two seasons of that, um, that gave me a little, an entry card. Or something it was, of, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't just that I had, you know, a, a career in Australia, it was starting to branch out, you know, internationally, which was great. And so we wanted to try and capitalize on that and see whether, whether anything would stick. And, you know, on one of my trips over there, uh, I was only meant to be there for four weeks. And then the day before I was flying back, I got a phone call saying, can you stick around for a chemistry read? Cause they quite liked you. And I was like, oh, okay. Yep. So I changed the flights for a week and then, uh, did it. And then I was getting ready to go the next day. and. I was sat down having a beer with some friends and the phone rang and they said, you got the job. I said, great. Well, I'm on the plane in the morning. They said, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? No, you're staying. And so from there, I stayed for two years.
0: So then, yeah. And then, so that's how it happened. And then I had to move to New York. So is that a huge juggernaut being wound up in a in a show which is on a you know abc um just a publicity stint and you heralded you're an unknown but you herald well i suppose Spartacus, sorry well i mean even then i, I think that yeah i mean i am a, an
1: unknown yes i've got some you know i've got a, a career and you know lot lots of credits and everything but in a new environment um yeah i was unknown And, and so it's very intimidating, you know, the, but I think, I mean, the first, there's so many, so many moments that I have in that, those first few weeks of, of shooting that show. But, um, I distinctly remember walking up the host, the the set in, in the studio, we shot in the same studio that they shot 30 Rock and Sopranos. Wow. So I'm in that. And so in my in all the way and even to when I was on set, I thought
0: they've got the wrong guy. And you're one of the leads as well, aren't you? Yeah, so I was number huge, two. Yeah. Huge responsibilities yeah.
1: laying on your shoulders. Yeah, right? that's right, you know. And but I honest to God thought that they'd got the wrong guy. I thought someone is going to see me and go That's What's not What's him? Guy. What is he doing here? That's not the guy we wanted. And honest to God, until I was sat on set, I thought no one's saying anything. So I guess I have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it, it was terrifying that but then all of my you know because you, you think of it as a Hollywood production, you think you know there's hundreds of people around there's it's bigger, but essentially, it's the same. You break it down. You, if you, if you concentrate on the distractions, that's what you're going to see. What I had to do with my, um, with my training and the way I operate is I just had to focus on the scene, on my job. I know what a camera looks like. I know how to work on film. I know how to act. I know how to do this. It's not, it's my first day on this show, but it's my whatever in my life. And I just had to remind myself that so that I could actually get the job done. And once I got, once I, I got over
0: that barrier, I was like, ah, it's my home. And then we were away. Now, as if that isn't intimidating enough, you're working alongside uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah. What an incredible opportunity and experience to, to watch and learn. Well, there, everywhere I looked, you know, I, I
1: saw people like that, you know. And I mean, obviously, Vanessa Redgrave is Vanessa Redgrave. And she is royalty. Um, and she is uh, someone that walks into a room and
0: th-
1: the seas part, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but I was also working... Uh, Alongside Eric Stoltz, um, who directed me. Um, uh, Andrew McCarthy directed me. Um, uh, And uh, Amy Holden-Jones, who wrote uh, Indecent Proposal. She created the show. The creator of The L Word, she was our showrunner. Um, which was, I mean, everything was so big mm-hmm. working with Terry Kinney, who founded Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. You,
0: you actually, I think, you believe you've shared a role, you and Terry Kinney.
1: Terry Kinney and I did share a role. We, uh, Tell me about that. <laughs> we, Terry is a very dear, friend, dear man and a dear friend. And we were alongside each other in a, um, in our dressing rooms. And so we would lean on each other's doorways and have lunch together and whatever. Anyway, we were talking about a great playwright by the name of Sam Shepard. And and I said to him, well, I've done a Sam Shepard play. And he said, is that right? Me too. And I said, wow. So we talked about that. And I said, which one did you do? And he said, I did a play called Buried Child. And I said, me too. And Buried Child was the, was the play that, Sam Shepard won a Pulitzer Prize for, and it's an incredible play. And so to be able to talk to someone and experience that, you know, at the same thing, I was like, oh my God. And uh, I said, "Uh, who did you play? And he said, I played Tilden, the, the son Tilden. I said, no way. I played Tilden as well. And so we kept going and going. I said, where did you do yours? He said, Broadway. Directed by Gary Sinise with Sam Shepard developing the play. Did you do the original production? The original production that my production at drama school was based off. So it was a, it was a, it was a very humbling um, experience in chat. But for, for a brief
0: moment, I was on the same page as, uh, as Terry Kinney. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a few neurosurgeons. There's also a few uh, swords and sandals yeah. characters as well. I did spend a few years doing that. Yeah. Um, I imagine those roles, just looking at them, in- require you to be incredibly fit. You must have spent a lot of time in the gym. I did. Well, the first time I, for, for Spartacus,
1: because I, I'd never seen the show, and I all I got, it was very secretive, when I got the role because my my entire audition was in German and I don't speak German at all. So I had to learn... Because he was a German character, was he? Right. Right. So I had to learn German and learn these scenes in German. Of course he was German. Because.
0: Why would it be German (laughs) otherwise?
1: (laughs) So all I get told is that he's German and he's a slave. And at that stage, I, you know, I was a little bit bigger. Not, I mean, probably around the same that I am now, but, and I thought, well, I've got to, drop some weight for this. So I dropped a lot of weight. I, I ran about 10 kilometers a day for about four weeks leading up to the, to the shoot. And I arrive and I have lost so much weight. I'm in the early seventies of, you know, 70 kilos and I am looking like a 12 year old boy and I rock up And everyone's just mountainous. They've got muscles on muscles. And I just looked like a child, you know. And so from then, um, from then, yes, we did have to build me up um, and go in. So I wasn't allowed to even walk anywhere. It was just (laughs) no cardio for you. You are just pure gym, muscles, protein, Doing that, so and then I, yeah, so I had to build up a lot of muscle and build back up. So, I got quite big. I was probably just under ninety, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, requirement of the job. It was, yeah, and it was also because it was so physical. I mean, you've got to you've got to tell the story of these gladiators. It was so there's the there's the reality of the show. <clears throat> there's the style of the show, and everyone was that. It was a you know that was the the story that we were all
0: telling yes because stylistically it's very um uh, regimented and and, and ha- the acting performances um yeah yeah was a whole f- period feel about it yeah
1: it was it
0: was period
1: but in it had a very it had a m- modern seasoning to it you know lots of colorful language um l- 3d blood it was you know it was lots of blood i mean the amount of blood we went through was just we had rivers of blood but yeah so it was it was very stylistic and um so you bought into it you know you had to to tell the story
0: Hmm. well you're back in summer bay or back in sydney back in sydney residing in summer bay right as uh dr christian green uh, is he also known as Ditch? <laughs>
1: no. Well, that when they, yeah, when they uh, they told me the, they offered me the role and said, you know, this is the character's name. It was almost a deal breaker because Christian is not something that I like being called. Because the only time growing up I I ever got called Christian, I was in trouble. Right. So that was like something. I was like, oh. But I, I'm getting used to it now, and, and so we're keeping Christian and Ditch very separate.
0: <laughs> um, so Home In A Way you've got a half hour episode every night mm. it must be an incredible uh, week of shooting and um, yeah. time requirement it is you know. Uh, is it more than what you've done before with series television I think so
1: I mean it's always pretty quick Healers was, was quick but this is, you know, it's a bigger cast But we're having to produce more. Um, So, you know, in in some, most productions, you have two units going, you know, the main unit and second unit, uh, so you can shoot in two different locations. Uh, But, you know, with with, uh, Home and Away now, because we're catching up from all we lost during the COVID shutdown, so we're shooting location main studio and second studio so we're shooting you know we've got three three units going so it can be pretty difficult when you when you're bouncing around units you know um, you know tomorrow uh, for instance you know I've got to, I've got to be at Palm Beach at quarter to six in the morning which is you know which means probably a three o'clock get up so to get there do that and then back to shoot. You know, different scenes from a completely different block. So, different storylines
0: in the afternoon in the studio. So, yeah. you're bouncing around a bit. And I guess you're all navigating new uh, COVID guidelines as well. That's yeah. really impacted um, television mm. production and, and what you can and can't do.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, and uh, the there's obviously a lot of protocols. There's, you know, social distancing, there's mask wearing, there's sanitizing, there's. So much that, that goes on, but, you know, telling a, telling a love story within that can be very difficult and problematic because of obviously if to tell that story, you have to be intimate. So we, the actress that I'm working with, Penny McNamee, uh, she and I had to come up with a, a deal to create our own bubble and there's a lot of trust that goes into that so that we, you know, we're not in our lives getting on public transport or going and sitting, you know, we're in places where we could pro- you know, possibly get it so that we don't give it to the other, other person and, and their families and all. That. So, you know, so we've had to create a, our own little bubble so that we can commit to the story and tell it.
0: Yeah, which affects our, our private life I and mean. everything. Well, um, series TV is something which has kept you from the stage for many years. Uh, fortunately, I guess it's always great to be employed yep. and, and in work. Uh, would you like to return to the stage at some point? I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Just that live audience and? Yeah, and it's a, it's a different muscle. You know,
1: it's a it's stretching something that you know you know that it's there it's it's like getting back into the gym after a little while you kind of know how to do it but the muscles are not where your brain is so you yeah i would like to i'd like to always like to stretch myself always like to learn and and put myself in a situation of vulnerability and and uh doing a doing a great play and telling a great story is something that yeah
0: i'd really like to do Another tree to climb. Another, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Another branch on the tree. Another tree. Yeah. Ditch, this has been a a fantastic hour. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the craft and um, insights into what's been a very exciting career since you left Whopper all those years ago. All those moons ago, mate. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for making us a part of your podcast listening. A new episode of the Stages podcast is released. Every Thursday. I know that many of you have been recommending the podcast to colleagues and friends. Thank you very much. It's much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Peter Ayers and you've been listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives. Keep warm, keep well. I'll catch you next time.